Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talk to David LaRoe, CEO of Medicomp Systems, about how new tools are needed to improve interoperability and patient outcomes. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by David LaRoe, CEO of Medicomp Systems. Welcome to the program, David. Uh, thanks for having me, Jay. Uh, thanks for being here. And I guess, uh, you know, we're going to talk about interoperability and uh, 21st Century Cures Act and, and all that. But I wanted to start off by having you just sort of uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Medicomp. Okay. Thank you, Jay. Uh, my name's uh, Dave LaRoe. I'm the CEO of Medicomp Systems. Uh, I've been with Medicomp for more than 20 years. Uh, I started in healthcare uh, doing revenue cycle management scheduling systems. And I had a customer early on uh, ask, we want to do electronic medical records. So I looked at all the systems that were out there at the time, and I brought them to my customers. And they said, you know, these don't support the way we work or think. <laughs> We've, and the, the one phrase that stayed with me the whole time, and everybody sort of, whenever I repeat this, they attribute it to the arrogance of doctors. But the thing they said that really resonated with me was clinicians, doctors, nurses, etc., are among some of the most highly trained knowledge workers in the world. Most of the time, we know what we want to do, and the systems prevent us from doing it because they're focused on recording transactions and submitting them for billing. Patient care is not something they care about. And when I explored that, I said, so what, what are you looking for? They said, what we really are looking for is uh, once we determine what we think a patient's issues are, we want the system to push the information that we want regarding those issues to us because we already pretty much know what we're looking for. Uh, and they said, you know, we know what's clinically relevant. All we want is to see that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, so then I brought in a number of EHR vendors at the time, and this is, goes way back, and the presentations only lasted about 20 minutes because the physicians or the nurses in the room would give them a problem and say, okay, show us what you got. And they said, well, well you have to build all that. They said, what do you mean? Why are we buying the system from you then? Why don't we just build it ourselves? Well, uh, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so uh, the docs... You know, my customers, I had a good relationship with them. They pretty much told me I was wasting their time with all of this. They said, if you can find some something that if a patient has, that every chart has, and I think at the time, they, paper charts, they called them face sheets. If you can find a system that lets us click on a problem and see all the labs, medications, comorbidities, symptoms, history, anything from prior encounters that's relevant for that problem, We'll take a look at it, bring that back. So a couple of years later, I met uh, Peter Goltra, the founder of Medicomp at a trade show. And he, he had a thing up that said he had an EMR. They called them EMRs at the time. Right, right. And I said, can you show me what it does? And he, he showed me and I thought, damn, that's ex I think that's what these guys were saying. So I asked him if we could show it to my customers and they said, he said, sure. So uh, I was in Baltimore at the time, uh, companies down here in Virginia. And I said to Peter, well, you know, th this was, I said, 
how did you do this? He said, well, since 1978, I've been working with Doc saying, when you're thinking about this, what is it you need to see and what is it you'd want to do? And I've been building the clinical data engine to do that ever since. I showed it to the uh, physicians and nurses that were my customers, and they said, yeah, now if you can just take that engine and put a, a user interface on it and link it to all of our processes and meet of all of, all of our requirements, et cetera, I said, okay. So I went to Peter and uh, I've been at Medicomp ever since. And uh, our main work is building the clinical relevancy data engine that can go into uh, electronic health records that clinicians can use at the point of care to quickly locate relevant data and act upon it. Uh, it's now embedded. There are about 400,000 concepts with about 100 million relevancy links. It's now embedded in about 15 EHRs. And the industry is finally realizing that to care for a patient, you need to see the longitudinal data over time uh, and not just uh, transactionally based. So uh, I'm real excited to be part of it. And it's been one of the great thrills of my life to have met Peter, you know, and it, it, it's interesting. I didn't even want to talk to him. And uh, his son was doing a summer internship with him and tracked me down, and I'm really glad he did. Excellent. Well, let's talk about uh, the 21st Century Cures Act. Um, it went into effect in 2016, or at least was passed in 2016. But, um, you know, sort of why do you think that, um, you know, this act is going to be sort of <laughs> – uh, I guess, um, bad for, you know, finding relevant data in an EHR? Well, uh, you know, the whole thing started, uh, you know, years ago, uh, meaningful use, uh, the government wisely, I think, as part of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, uh, put out, you know, somewhere between 30 and $40 billion to uh, promote the adoption of electronic health records. The 21st Century Cures Act, is the follow-up to that saying, okay, we, we paid people to put these systems in, and now we're going to hold you responsible for processing all the information, not only in your system, but we want you to connect it to everybody else, including your patients, and bring all that information together. Now, a lot of that information is not coded, a lot of it is in silos. A lot, it's very difficult to find the information you want and act upon it for any particular patient at the point you need it, which now includes telehealth, it includes you know, home care, it might include the patient's caregivers and family. Uh, there's going to be uh, an onslaught of information coming in, a lot of it not coded, and even if it is coded, it's coded in disparate terminologies and code sets that were not built to interact with each other. So it's going to be a major challenge for providers uh, once they get swamped. And you kind of, uh, you refer to it as data dumpster diving, am I correct? Uh, just in terms of I, uh, having so much, I guess, unnecessary data uh, that to, to sift through, um, you know, if this goes into effect. Well, it's not, it's not, yeah, I did. And uh, it's not that, it's not that the data is unnecessary. It might be necessary for something other than what you care about at that right, moment. Right. Okay. It might be, 
you had to do it to meet an electronic clinical quality measure. You had to, you had to document it to uh, meet an internal protocol in your organization. You had to meet it to get a billing record out. But right now, I want to know how this patient's renal failure is doing. I know the, the you know, 50 or 60 main things I want to focus on, and it's in this dumpster with free text, with lab codes, with SNOMED codes, with RxNorm codes. It's all in there. There's, there's pictures in there. There's photos. There's lots of free text. Oh my God, how do I find what I need? Because right now, I want to know this patient's renal status. I want to know their symptoms. I want to know if they're having any problems. I want to know about any comorbidities. Uh, it's, a real, it's going to be a bigger challenge in the future than it is right now. And where do things stand with the act right now? Is it still delayed in terms of being? It, 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 it's delayed. I don't think it's been, I don't think it will, uh, I think it will be further delayed. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying that the pandemic is an excuse for it, but it's more of a reason for it. Mm -hmm. uh, healthcare systems right now, and you've been reading about it probably for the last four or five weeks, are under tremendous strain. There's lots of people who have decided to get out of healthcare. Nurses uh, are, are quitting. Physicians are getting burned out. I, I think that the only, they're, they're going to, they won't back off of it completely, but they're going to have to allow some leeway. I think people are going to have uh, a year or two more to get ready for this. Uh, and I guess, you know, what, what's the solution? Like, what would you suggest be done about this problem? Um, you're talking about 21st century cures, I take it. Not, yeah. Yeah, not yeah, the yeah. pandemic. Not, not the pandemic. Oh, okay. no, that's a different problem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Boy, I don't know. Cause you don't have that the answer? Been, that would have been, I have no idea. Please, somebody tell me. Uh, well, uh, one of the solutions is uh, these systems, uh, you know, meaningful use led to a couple of things. It led to widespread adoption of systems that electronically store stuff. Okay. By stuff, I mean all the stuff I just talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and now they're out there. But it also, the requirements of meaningful use were so restricted, uh, they weren't very extensive. Every vendor, the, the big vendors, the Epic, Cerner's, Meditex, Allscripts, all of those vendors, they were able to do a minimum of uh, what I would call uh, data validation or cleanup in order to get that money and meet those requirements. As a result, a couple things happened. They became the dominant vendors in the industry. And they didn't have to open up their systems to do that. And they didn't really have to address this problem of data access or relevancy. So there they are. Now, uh, the industry is now moving toward web-based uh, APIs, fire APIs, etc., and they're putting pressure. Part of the 21st Century Cures Act is not only going to be you need to share data, but I think you need to open up your system to be able to add capabilities that are not necessarily created by the incumbent vendor, but will work with the systems that are already in place. It's been, you know, billions of dollars spent on these systems. They're in place. 
the concrete is poured, but the, the roadways on that concrete don't accommodate this flood of data. So I think part of the answer is, and we've seen some people moving toward this. Uh, we worked to put our clinical data relevancy summary view into Cerner's app gallery. And when we tried to do this a few years back with the major vendors, we couldn't do it. They didn't, they didn't make the data available. They, I, don't, I, I won't say they were blocking it, but they couldn't make it available. I don't know why, but they couldn't. Uh, you'd have to ask them that question. Part of 21st Century Cures is they have to open these things up and Cerner did that and they did it in a way that it made it possible for us to get all the information we needed and put a, a summary together that drew this data in. I believe that 21st Century Cures Act and uh, the, the, the government's requirements led them to do that. I don't believe these vendors would do it without the push from the government. And I think that push will increase because as we move to telehealth and as we move to uh, functions that I would call uh, people who do clin are clinical advocates or navigators and home care, you'll need more and more and better and cleaner data for everybody involved in caring for that patient because with the pandemic, the physician-patient encounter has become less of the focus of healthcare delivery and more of just a part of it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that's gonna be driven by data. And I think if there's one thing that we've learned through this COVID uh, stuff is everybody has to be able to find what they want whenever they want it. And that includes patients, caregivers, home care workers, et cetera. So I think if uh, future uh, changes to 21st Century Cures Act do anything, they will probably force the opening of it because no one company or vendor can create everything that's needed for every type of provider and situation. And so I'm, I'm hopeful for the future just because I've seen these systems open up over the last few years. Is there, are, is that, are there proposals in the works or in place to make these changes to the act or is it still kind of being discussed? Oh, it's, it's being discussed. Uh, I, I talk to people all the time at, at various uh, agencies here and people are trying to figure out, okay, we've, uh, they've agreed to crack open the window. How do we get them to open the door? Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, it's going to be difficult to force uh, that kind of a significant change in the middle of this pandemic. But the, the discussions are, how do we, how do we make it so that people can, you know, you all, you've always heard uh, years ago, people said, well, we're, we're going to buy best of breed, right? We're going to, we're going to look at a lab system and buy that. We're going to look at a scheduling system and buy that from them, et cetera, et cetera. Well, meaningful use put an end to that by allowing these monolithic systems to take over. I believe that there's going to be a fair amount of disruption in the marketplace uh, if they don't. And that's, that's going to come from small vendors who are putting together the tools to add capabilities to these systems that they don't currently have. 
Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about sort of how EHRs contribute to physician burnout. It's it's a huge problem. It was a problem before the pandemic, uh, only getting worse now. But you know, sort of how you know how are are these uh, EHRs really kind of adding to their to their, I guess, burnout and and just uh, you know desire to get out of the business. Well, uh, you know, a uh, clinician, say a doctor, walks into a room and uh, she looks at a patient summary and says, okay, today, you know, we're going to deal with, uh, I, I see you here for your, you know, regular visit. And depending on the number of conditions and the severity of them, it could be every three months, six months, every year. You know, we're looking at diabetes, renal failure, osteoarthritis, et cetera. So let's take a look. Well, take a look. Well, when they go to take a look, the all the information that they need for a diagnosis right now to evaluate, okay, is it under control? Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? What uh, Medicare Advantage would call the MEET protocol, manage, evaluate, assess, and treat this condition. I want to work on this condition. Show me what you got. You've got to go to different silos in the record and find it. You can't just click on a problem and see all the relevant information for that problem on one screen. You can't do it. Sometimes it's, you know, labs might be organized by date. Uh, they might be organized by type, but then you got to switch to another tab to go here, to go there. You can't bring it all together. So you can't find what you need. But then even once you find what you need, there are workflows associated with managing that problem that uh, are imposed uh, by third parties. You've got to properly code it so that uh, it's coded, it's billed, etc. You've got to meet certain documentation requirements. Oh, here, a quality, a quality measure applies. I've got to do that. What do I need to do? That's a separate workflow. So you're jumping all over the place. So you spend hours after work doing your doing all of that, or you're jumping all over the record and trying to find stuff and you can't even think about the condition you're trying to treat, let alone the next two you've got to address with that patient. So who who wants to deal with that? Right, right. It just sort of uh, you're spending more time working on things that you know maybe aren't really what you got into the profession for, right? Well, well, you know what you need to do, yeah. pretty much. You know what you need to do, and the EHR is a task to do it, not a tool. Right. It's, it's it's oh my god! I got to do all this stuff, or or you say we're the EHRs are so bad. We're just going to put some gear in the exam room or listening on the phone for telehealth, and we're going to turn everything that's said into words. Then we're going to use right. natural language processing to mine it, and then later somebody will review that, find out what what you missed, and go back to the provider and say, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't meet this quality measure, you got blah, blah, blah. So, oh my God, who can deal with all this? Can can you imagine if when you went to drive home, I mean, you know how to drive home, right? Mm -hmm. You know how to drive home. Yep. You, you can just get in your car and do it. You don't have to look at the map every five minutes to see, okay, do I take a right here, do I take a left here, what do I do that? Oh, what about that road, what about this road? You just get in the car and drive because you know how to drive your car and you know the directions. These clinicians know what's wrong with the patient. They know what to do about it, et cetera. But it's scattered all over the place, and they can't find what they need. And that, that's one reason. The other reason is the, the, the cognitive load on these clinicians has extended not only to 
what's going on with this patient and is it getting better or worse and what what do i have to do about it but what are the requirements that are imposed on me by you know clinical quality measures by e and m coding oh my god don't get me started by all of this all of that should be pushed to the clinician right when they need it but only when they need it and not if they don't so that that's where this clinical relevancy engine take comes into a uh, play where here's what you need and uh, so after a while they just say i don't want to do this anymore I, I as you just said i didn't get into medicine to do this right um and, and obviously you know i guess you know that there's a better way like is there a, a general feeling in the industry that you know this is this needs to change or is it still kind of bogged down right now uh there's a general feeling that it does need to change uh there is right now uh not the not the psychic i would say energy to do it in the midst of right. what we're in right now uh, i believe people want to do it uh we get so many calls uh, all the time of people saying, we love what you're doing. Uh, we want to talk to you, et cetera, uh, as soon as this is over. But even in the midst of this, uh, 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 a hospital holy name in Teaneck, New Jersey, that was on the cover of one of the local issues of Time Magazine in the New York area, they were at the epicenter of the uh, first uh, outbreak of COVID back in April of uh, 2020. Uh, they they were getting such complaints from their clinicians about their system. They decided to write their own system. I mean, my God, I, I told them they were nuts. Uh, they, they decided to do that and they designed it, built it, et cetera, and deployed it uh, to their emergency room. If you can imagine that in the middle of this pandemic, they've been live now for about four or five months. Uh, so it, it can be done, but, Boy, you've, you've got to be desperate to be able to do that. Another uh, Phoenix Children's Hospital decided to add our technology to their Allscripts uh, Sunrise system for all of their ambulatory docs, about 300 of them. And they've been, uh, at first they got a lot of resistance saying, oh my God, not another new thing we got to deal with. Uh, but they're now seeing, I think, 25% more patients in less time and the docs, instead of staying until eight or nine at night doing their documentation, most of them are out there by about 5.30 in the afternoon Be, because they asked their docs, what do you need? And then they used our tool to put it in and then built around it to give, to give clinically specific dashboards for each individual patient based on the content of the chart. It, it was quite remarkable. Hmm. Well, I guess, you know, in terms of sort of a, a general resolution for, for this, you know, we're thinking still another year or two, right? Um, yeah, there are people. There are people doing great work right now, but I don't think you will see uh, widespread innovation return to our sector for at least another twelve months. Although people are working on uh, putting in place the basics to do it, and the basics are open up to web-based APIs. Uh, you know, Fire has been uh, a very positive thing. It's uh, at first I thought it was kind of primitive, but they're they're starting to build out the resources in, in the in fire, and that's going to make it much easier uh, 
to make these things interoperable and feed information to the providers when they need it uh, once uh, once the industry can stop and take a breath. And I, I don't think the government's going to back off or repeal 21st century cures. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to, uh, uh, I think they're going to sort of uh, accelerate on it uh, once, uh, once we have the, the current situation under control. Well, Dave, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Okay. Well, thank you. And uh, hopefully you won't get too slammed by uh, feet of snow in the next two months. Yeah, let's hope not. All right. All right. Take thank care. Thank you, Jay. That wraps up episode 47 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time. You can find more information about the show and listen on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.